At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up? It's your boy Dean Thomas here. Thank you for stopping by and having a listen. It's me. I'm back. Episode 12 of my very own show, Dean's Got Answers. Answers to what? Answers to anything and everything. In this show, I'll break down the questions you have about the UFC and provide my answers. They may not be the answers that you're looking for, but that's not why you're tuning in, right? You want to hear from me, Dean Thomas, UFC vet, Coach to the biggest names in the sport, co-star of Dana White looking for a fight, host of the Dean Diaries, I'm an analyst, podcaster, comedian, etc., etc., etc. I'm going to keep this show simple, though. Each episode, I'll tackle three questions about the UFC. I'll give you my take, my opinion, and my answer to each. I'll hit on everything from the fun and wild moments the sport has to offer to the inner workings of the sport. No question is off limits. By the way, if you have a question for me, DM me at Dean Thomas. Oh, and you know what else I'm going to do? Each episode, I'm going to slide up into my Rolodex and holler at a homie for a second opinion. I'll bring on the biggest names in the sport and see if they agree or disagree with me. Today, I'm going to holler at UFC welterweight Bill Rowe. On this episode, I'll break down and answer the following questions. First, what the fuck is up with And I'm going to talk about some crazy moments in the sport. But what the fuck is up with how the UFC can put on fights on such short notice? How is this possible? Well, teamwork makes the dream work. Well, so does the cream work. Second, how do fighters juggle extracurricular activities while still fighting? And I'm going to have my man Philly Fresh here to chime in. And third, is the light heavyweight division the unluckiest division of all time? I don't know, but those are some unlucky bastards. And after all that, I'm going to rapid fire answer questions from you, the fans. And you can't stump me, boy. So turn up the volume, kick back, and take heed to the words I speak. Let's go. Short notice fights aren't anything new in the MMA world. But lately, it seems like we're having more than ever. Injuries are typically the main reason for short notice fights. So I must answer the question, what the fuck is up with how the UFC can put on fights on such short notice? How is this possible? Now let's give credit to the guys who make sure we always get the best cards, even when the fighters have to pull out of fights. The guys who make it happen are Dana White, Hunter Campbell, Mick Maynard, and Sean Shelby. Recently, we just had two major short notice fights as the main and co-main events at UFC 294, and both were rearranged with new fighters. The co-main event was originally scheduled for Hamzat Shemaev to take on Paulo Costa in a middleweight matchup. But after Paulo Costa had to withdraw from the fight due to an elbow infection, Kamaru Usman saved the day by stepping in to face Shemaev on 10 days notice. How they were able to acquire Kamar Usman on that short amount of time, it actually baffles me. Now, we're talking about a former champ 
one who will be considered one of the greatest welterweights of all time, coming off two losses and looking to make a comeback. He took a fight with a guy whom nobody was really looking forward to fighting. He was heavily favored to win over Usman and potentially ending any run Usman may have of looking like a top pound-for-pound fighter again. It almost looked like Usman was just doing this for the money until you saw him walk out. You knew no matter how much money they offered him, he is a professional. He is a competitor. And guess what? He got that dog in him. And after he got shut out in that first round, the way he was able to bounce back, we realized that we were dealing with something special. Now, while Usman may have been offered a pretty good chunk, he's still cut from a different cloth. The money is about showing him respect. But fighters like Usman jump at the opportunity to prove they are the best, money or not. The main event also had to be recreated. Originally, Islam Makachev was supposed to defend his lightweight belt in a rematch against Charles Oliveira. But after Oliveira suffered a cut while sparring, he was out of this title fight. And luckily, Alexander Volkanovsky saved the day and stepped in to fight Islam on 12 days notice for the lightweight title. This fight was a much anticipated rematch as some people thought Volkanovsky beat Islam in their first fight at UFC 284 earlier this year. Now, when the fight was announced, I was hyped. I thought Volk had all the tools to beat Islam. Volk thought so too. And believe it or not, I still think he does. And I hope Volk still thinks he does too. Now understand, and like all these other cases, money is a factor. And I couldn't be more clear on this. The UFC doesn't offer fighters like Usman and Volk money they can't refuse. They offer them enough money not to offend them in their legacy. And they probably throw in a few more dollars as well. But at the end of the day, legends like Usman and Volkanovsky they fight for their legacy. They fight to be great. They are fighting so that their grandkids can read about them in the history books. This trend of big short notice fights continues at UFC 295 this weekend. Originally, John Jones was set to defend his heavyweight belt against Stipe Miocic in a legendary fight. Unfortunately, a few weeks ago, John Jones tore his pectoral tendon and had to withdraw from the fight. As a result, the UFC created an interim heavyweight title fight as the co-main event between Sergei Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. This also moved up the original co-main event between Yuri Prohoshka and Alex Fajera to the main event. Now let's talk Tom and Sergei. From a marketing standpoint, is this fight Stipe and Jones? Absolutely not. From a legacy standpoint, is this fight Stipe and Jones? Hell to the no. From a skill and competitive perspective, is this fight Stipe and Jones? It's better. Tom and Sergey are not trying to cement their place in history with a fight like Stipe and Jones. They're just beginning their stories. And that's what makes this fight extremely important and why they had to do it. The winner will not only be the interim champion, they will also have the potential to be along the all-time greats of the sport. And if I'm being completely honest, both of them are young enough that even the loser can still have a Hall of fame worthy career. But it all starts November 11th. And that's why this fight was so important to make. And that's why both of these gentlemen had to take advantage of this opportunity. Now, as far as the fight goes, there's no doubt in my mind that Tom Aspinall has the better skill set. But that does not mean that he's going to be able to win on November 11th. Power is the great equalizer. And even Denzel Washington would have to tip his hat to Sergey Pavlovich for his ability to equalize. 
possibly one of the best cases of a short notice fight being taken advantage of was Michael Bisbing beating Luke Rockhold for the middleweight title. Now, in my time as a fighter during the Wild Wild West era, short notice fights were pretty common. There was no athletic commission in the beginning, so when fights would pop up on the weekend, we just had to be ready. That's the benefit that I had as a fighter. It was never about the money. It was always about the legacy. So I must answer the question, what the fuck is up with how the UFC can put on fights on such short notice? How is this possible? It's possible because the currency that you're rewarding fighters with is an opportunity for greatness. And when you're dealing with championship level fighters, that means more than what you can put inside their bank account. A lot of people may think that fighters only think about fighting. And that may be true for some fighters, but we have lives outside of fighting too. So I need to answer the question, how do fighters juggle extracurricular activities while still fighting? Some fighters like to hang out with spiders like Jalen the Tarantula Turner, while others like Sean O'Malley like to game it up in their free time. And some got game on the basketball courts. My extracurricular activities were acting and improv. And it first started off in acting, but the work required to create characters, learn lines, and be a good actor was overwhelming for me. However, doing improv was the outlet that suited me best because I could make up the characters on the spot. I never had to learn lines. And the secret, guys, and Matt Sarah loves to make fun of me for this, but I've been doing improv comedy with theater nerds for over a decade. And with that being said, I probably should be much better at it. So to further answer this question, how do fighters juggle extracurricular activities while fighting, I'm going to holla at a homie. So now I am pleased to welcome the UFC welterweight, my personal friend, my homie, Philly Fresh, Bill Rowe. Bill, what's up, man? What up, man? Good to see you as always, brother. Nah, it's always good to see you, man. And the reason why I like to see you is because you are always doing your thing. And that comes down to whether you're fighting, doing all kind of other crazy stuff. And that's really what I'm talking about right now is the all the other crazy stuff that we kind of tend to get into as fighters. And you are one of the more creative and one of the more eccentric fighters that I know. So first, but even before we get into some of your extracurricular activities, I gotta ask you, you went to Daytona State College and got a degree in well logging engineering? So, so yes and no. Um, I went to Daytona State. Um, I got an associate's degree, right? Okay. Um, and then I tr transferred to UCF and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wanted to become a pharmacist. I wanted to do this. I wanted to do that. I ended up in West Virginia while my wife, who is a dentist now, was finishing up undergrad. So throughout this process of uh, trying to transfer schools, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I, at the time, was working at Best Buy in West Virginia, in Morgantown, making 190 bucks a week. Um, I'd accidentally spend my check before I got back to the crib when I'd cash it. I went to Giant Eagle, cash a Giant Eagle, stop at TJ Maxx, buy an outfit. Next thing you know, I got 20 bucks up. I'm like, damn. And <laughs> so good with money too, <laughs> bro. This I was I was young. I was 21. But there, uh, one day, this kid comes into Best Buy, and he goes, "Hey man, I'm looking for a washer and dryer." 
So I'm like, all right, cool. He he looked younger than me. I'm 21 at the time, just turned 21. So I'm like, he must be 19 at best in college. So I brought him to, I said, yo man, um, we're running a special for college students, um, 15 months interest-free. You can get a washer and dryer combo, um, $1,500 for the two, blah, blah, blah. He's like, cool, cool, cool. He's like, well, what does that one do? So this is the LG washer. And I mean, it has a cycle that washes and dries your clothes. This is a $5,000 washing machine. So I said, so I took off my keys. I put it in there. I hit this, the demo spin. You hear nothing. He's like, yeah, let me get this and the dryer. I'm like, he about to drop some bands. He's about to drop damn near 10 bands on a washer and dryer. This kid's younger than me. So I'm like, fast forward. We go through home theater. He gets this Bose soundbar that's two grand. Then he buys a... Uh, brand new LED TV right when it dropped. Kids spent like over 20 bands. Like even now, that's a lot of money. So no kidding. he buys it and then we're walking out. And I said, yo man, if you don't if you don't mind me asking, what, what do you do for a living? He's like, I work in oil and gas. I said, yo, y'all hiring bro? I said, how do, how do I get in on this? And he's like, yo man, um, actually we are. He goes, take this card, call this guy, tell him Zach sent you. Fast forward. I look online on Indeed and I type up this company, Diversified Well Logging. So I, I see they were looking for well logging engineers. They were looking for uh, geologists. They were looking for chemists. So I apply for all these shits. Whether I am qualified or not, that's on them. I'm applying. You know what I mean? Like these are the, this is what I, these are the jobs I want. You know, these are six figure jobs. So I apply for all these shits. So <laughs> he, I, <laughs> <laughs> so my my girl at the time is getting mad. She's like, you're not going to get these jobs. You're not taking it. I was like, I, if I'm applying for a job, I'm applying for a job that I want. And she, so I'm applying for all these. These are the jobs I want. She's like, you're not, they're not going to hire you. Yeah, all right, cool. So I call, I already fill out the application. I call Craig McGee. He is the vice president of Diversify Well Log and my buddy gave me his contact. So I give him a call, I say, hey, how you doing, man? Um, my name is Phil Rowe. Uh, my buddy Zach Spalling sent me. I just wonder if you guys were hiring. He goes, I feel actually we are. If you go on Indeed, boom, boom, boom. He's already a week behind the ball. I say, hey, uh, sir, I've already filled out application. Um, I just want to know this. He goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. I'll check you out, I'll give you a call back. Word. Um, guy calls me back. He's like, hey, Phil, man, uh, how you doing, man? I say, how, how you doing? Uh, everything's good. He's like, yeah. He goes, um, hey man, I, I got your application here pulled up. I go, it was okay. He's like, yeah, man, um, Phil, are you are you an engineer? I was like, um, nah, man, but I'm really motivated. He goes, Phil, are you are you a chemist? I go, no, I'm not a chemist, man, but look, man, I work really hard. He goes, he goes, Phil, are, are are you a geologist? I go, no. He goes, Phil, man. He goes, I'm I'm sorry, man, you're not qualified. He goes, I got kids interning from Penn State, Rutgers University. He goes, he goes, hey man, I said, excuse me, sir, I don't mean to disrespect your time. I, but if anything changes in the future, you let me know. He goes, Phil, man, if you, if you get a four-year engineering degree, you give me a call. <laughs> He's like almost laughing. He's like, man, like, you know what I mean? Sorry about it. If anything changes, you give me a call. God bless you. He kind of laughing. and he hangs up the phone. My buddy calls me back. He goes, Phil, man, I'm sorry, man. You know, I said, nah, no worries, man, no worries. I'm still training. I'm still doing my thing, working at Best Buy. He hits me two weeks later. He goes, Phil, you want to get some sushi in 84? This is a town in Pennsylvania. I said, Let, let's do it. He is out eating with his boss, the gentleman, the vice president of the company, and his wife, and uh, my homie. 30 minutes in, 
the, everybody at the table is drunk. They're doing shooting the sake, the choo choo train. Everybody crying, laughing. Everybody laughing. He goes, man, Phil, man, what? You, he goes, man, what are you doing out here, man? I told him what I'm doing. I'm trying to be a fighter. He goes, look, man. He goes, man, come into my office on Monday, man. He goes, I, I think I got something for you. Mind you, Dean, he doesn't know I'm the gentleman that filled out the application online. No. You don't know. <laughs> he loved me now. Mind you, I'm the only brown brother in town, by the yeah. way. <laughs> so fast forward, Monday co comes, he didn't hit me up. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Week passed by, Friday, four o'clock, calls me. Um, hey, my, my sweet Phil Rowe. Hey, this is Phil. Hey, Phil, this is Craig. Craig, who are you looking for, man? Uh, this is Craig from Diversity. Hey, man, what's up, man? How you doing, man? Hey, man, uh, just, if you ain't busy, man, you want to come? Uh, honestly, man, where you're at, it's going to take an hour and 15. You can't even get to me, man. No worries. I said, hey, man, I'll be there. Hang up the phone. Getting my girl's Kia Forte Coupe, 115. <laughs> <laughs> I get there out. Ready, I sit in front of him. Within 20 minutes tops, he's telling me how he's been. I messed this dude up so bad mentally, he couldn't even get back into why he had me there. He said, Phil, man, you just come in here tomorrow, man. Come in here tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. Next day I came in, he goes, look, man, I'm going to get a lot of gripe for this. He goes, but you're a smart kid and I know you can do this. He goes, I'm going to put you with my best guy. He's going to teach you exactly what you need to know. He's going to teach you the ropes. He goes, you don't let me down. He goes, I can't I can't pay you what they were paying you at Best Buy, but I'll do the best I can. He slipped me over a piece of paper, $6,000 sign-on bonus, 96 k a year. Um, ready? He put me with his number one guy, my buddy Jason Ellis. I haven't seen him in years. If he sees this, shout out to him. He, that was 10 years ago. And I worked alongside him. He's a uh, well-logging engineer. He is a... He's an industrial engineer. He's a geologist. He he knows so much stuff. And within three months' time, I knew I knew my job, and I was pretty much training guys as well. And what's funny is I have friends that are engineers now, and they are when I say blown away, like blown away. My cousin's an engineer. He works for Intel. His name is Nathaniel Jiscom. He is creme de la creme. I have so many buddies and they can't, but they tell their other friends this story. He's like, yo, this, but my cousin's like, bro, if anybody could have done that, it'd have been Phil. And what's funny is now this is on my resume. You know what I mean? I got legit jobs yeah. as, as, as a well-organ engineer and I did my job. I did it well. Only, only reason I left was to fight and, and to pursue my fighting career. But, um, I, I got paid a lot of money. I was doing really well, young and, um, literally just me being personable be, me being myself charismatic me just being who i was got me in position and then i, I learned the job and then that was it well i tell you what man it's and that leads me to my next thing it's that riz is what the kids call it these days that riz that charisma and that has propelled you obviously i mean the proof is in the pudding from what you the story you just told but also in in the entertainment world in terms of your fight career because you out there you rapping you got a lot of other stuff going on so i kind of want to know for you how are you able to like tell us and before you even tell us how you're able to juggle these things tell us the different things that you got going on outside of the fighting world so and the thing about about you've known me a long time you've known me pretty much longer than anyone in the fight game at this level has known me because there's not many people in the fight game at this level that know me there's people that know me prior but 
at the high level, I think you're probably the only other gentleman that has known me outside of the fight game before I came up. But I've been doing all this stuff that I'm doing now for a long time. But um, I'm just, I'm a one man team, bro. And once people see, once the UFC, once these people around me see the value in me, it's it's over. And I've, I've been taking it, I, I've been playing it slow, right? Because I'm not trying to be the guy that goes 0-3 and, and, and done. I know this is a business, I know this is, it's not about being a tough guy, it's about being equipped. It's about dotting all my I's, crossing all my T's, so when I am in that position, I am ready to rock at any level with anyone. And I, I'm, I'm there now, I'm on my third contract. I just got to where I wanna be. I know the fights now are gonna be different, but I know with my skill set, I can fight anybody. And also I know now financially, I'll be where I wanna be. So like before I wasn't pushing three, four fights a year simply because I needed to get out of these contracts. And, and mind you, there's no picking and choosing fights in the UFC. So while I'm here, instead of trying to get fights every other month, I'm trying to build my skill set. Um, I'm at that point now, financially I'm at that point. So next year, uh, I'm shooting for four fights. And then me, with who I am and what I bring, four, you see Phil four times in a calendar year, that's it. You know, then they're gonna see who I really am. Then they're gonna see my value. They're gonna see me winning these fights. But pretty much, man, I'm, man, I, I do so much. Uh, clothing, philanthropy, um, music. Uh, and, and, and this is stuff that I've been doing a long time. I've been, I've been making music and rapping since I was 11 years old. I've been having an eye for fashion since I was 10 years old. I've been connected to people and, and wanting to help other people as long as I can remember, you know what I mean? But more so out doing things since high school, right? So nothing that I'm doing now is, is new. It's just new to people because no one knows me. And if you look at my growth by myself, no push, nobody else, no influence, it's kind of crazy. You know, like it ain't, I'm not pushing these amazing numbers like all these other guys, but see me four times in a calendar year and it is over to where I'm at now by myself, you know? So I'm just being accessible, leading with my heart, doing what my heart tells me. And I'm hoping the more I get out there, the more I win these fights, people will gravitate to me and, and help me what I'm doing. And, and I had a problem with speaking on the philanthropy stuff, me trying to talk to these kids, me trying to make change because I just believe if you're doing something out the kindness of your heart, you go do it. You don't do it looking for validation, looking for anything in return, looking for clout, notoriety. But I had people around me like, look, Phil, whether you like it or not, whether you, you may think it you are or not, but you're an influence to people, right? You do have a platform. I'm just because you're ain't you're not Khabib, don't mean people don't see you, don't mean people don't look to what you say. So I started posting more about what I do and my life in the past two months, and I've gained damn near 24,000 followers. And I've had so many people reach out to me, so many different organizations. Shout out to Highlight Coaching and Consulting. Shout out to Get Your Teach On. They're 10 toes down in the school system, helping kids that need it. Uh, we've given away thousands of shoes since last uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going around and I'm, I'm talking to kids. And my main thing was sustainability. I didn't want to pop up, show face, shake some hands, say some motivational shit and not be around. I wanted to 
these guys to hit me up if they need me, me to be there, right? So now that I'm showing people what I'm doing, I have a lot of other outside influence, people that have structure, have a system in place, have a team that are helping me with the sustainability of it. Um, me showing up at the same location, me being able to tap in with these kids, me being able to get these kids sneakers, me being able to connect these kids with the right mentors and, and, and people around them. So I'm, I'm taking it a day at a time, um, but I'm hoping the, the further along I go, the more I can get companies like the UFC, shout out to Brian Smith, he just tapped in with me to help really make a change to kids that look like me and grew up like me and, and everyone. So, but how do you juggle all these different extracurricular activities while you're still trying to raise up the rankings in the UFC? It's really easy, especially in the UFC, man. For the most part, these these dudes are Hollywood. They think they're something they're not. And I'm the same that I've been from day one and I'll never change. I'm the same Phil. And that's what keeps me grounded. I don't have fight camps. I train every single day like I'm fighting. Um, I'm a black belt in the gi for real. I'm not, I didn't go submit somebody and and get a black belt. I didn't wrestle my whole, I've, I'm a martial artist through and through. You talk to any of my instructors, since I've started training October 30th, 2011, I've taken absolute max two weeks off. And that's when I smashed my hand with tile. When I broke my hand, I still was in the gym shrimping, doing technique. When I smashed my finger, smushed, crushed, break with tile i was out for two weeks in 2015. i'm in the gym every day twice a day and i mean it for real and when i go to these other gym phil why do you post your sparring i don't give a fuck i'm on espn plus on 4k all my fights what, what, what my sparring gonna do you know what i mean like who cares watch my sparring i'm i'm in the gym too much i'm in the gym twice a day every day sometimes three times a day since i started this is my life so there's not it's not juggling right this is what i do this is who i am whether i got a fight or not i'm in that gym helping training drilling so i don't look at it like that this is literally a part of my life so whatever else i'm doing it's gonna be in conjunction with training and pushing myself every single day and that's just what i do but as far as the UFC, I see like so many, I've been in so many gyms. I've trained with the creme de la creme. There's no one else better for me to train with. You, The only person that I haven't really moved around with and we supposed to was John Jones. But you name them, I've trained with them and they know who I am. They can front on me, they can say what they want. I've trained with them and I put in rounds and I punched on people and I choked people. So I know I belong, I know I'm here and I'm just gonna keep my nose down i'm gonna keep working and eventually what's intended for me to have i will have but i know i'll be ready i know i'm at this level i know i can compete with these guys my biggest problem is my own mental but my skill set's there once i lock in it's gonna be borderline impossible to beat me i love that mentality now let's talk about some of the guys that you've been training with because we got one of those guys here in new york about to fight for the light heavyweight title that's alex Pajeda. um what, how did that introduction happened how did it work out for you to be training with him and i'm not gonna ask you what happened in that training i just want to know how it all happened actually i punched on him what you talking about i'll tell you <laughs> you see the video but <laughs> shout out to alex and shout out to glover when i say i don't know i am blessed and i've heard you've heard nightmare 
training stories and and coaching and coaches with students and coaches that don't let their students go here. I've been so blessed to be around you, Paul Rodriguez, Julian Williams, like the 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 cool cats of the fight game. Phil, go over there, train. Let's see the shit I taught you today. Work. Don't get beat up. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Like, I've Leota Machida is my my sensei. You know what I mean? I see him. He speaks to me in parables every day. So like it's crazy but I met Glover Teixeira in Canada a while back and um, fast forward I end up training with Jacare Jacare arguably has been the biggest influence in my career everybody knows that and I was cornering Jacare and once Jacare tapped in with our gym that's it all these legends started popping up and Julian loved it because he knows when people just tend to gravitate to me so when these guys come to our gym to visit they see me we start vibing they they move to Orlando and they in the gym now. Then we got Leota, then we got Adolfo, then we got Glover, then we got, so all these guys show up because they like the environment and then they see the training's good. You know, I know what Julian can do, right? Mm-hmm. So that, man, fuck, who this guy? So Glover bring this guy and then they training with Julian and they, damn. So next thing you know, Glover comes to the gym one time as they're hanging out with, uh, Leota, Glover's drinking 12 Heineken's a day, enjoying Orlando, beating people up in our gym. And Alex is there. So I said, fuck, he's not in the UFC at this time. He just knocked home black dude out in the LFA. Uh, I think they put something in that water. Ain't no way that dude get dropped like that. But well, <laughs> <laughs> he had just knocked that dude out. So I said, fuck, Julian. I said, I gotta, I gotta spar with him. Mind you, Alex is in the gym for three days. For three days, like this. Just like him, just like him, yup. Hey man, good to see you. For three days, I'm like, damn. So he leaving, I said, Julian, man. I showed him the video, nobody know him. Lucas Alexander, shout out to Lucas. You know Lucas, he's fighting next week. He knew him from kickboxing, he was Phil. That's that's that dude. I said, fuck it, I gotta train with him, fuck it. I didn't want to, but I did. Glover says, Phil, this guy hits harder than JDS. I remember like it was yesterday, he says, he hit harder than Frank Silva. I've trained with all these guys. He goes, I'm just telling you. He got one speed and he hits hard. I said, fuck it, come on. And I didn't want to do it. Julian said, no, 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 you don't do it. I did it. So we go to spar. I get in there. You look around the cage. All these dudes are lined up like this. I'm like, get out, get out of here. I don't want him to think it's about to be a spectacle. Leota, everybody lined up around the cage like this, looking. And I'm trying to get to shoot him away. So we start sparring. First round, I had headgear on. I have never, and I have never been punched on like that in one round, ever. Dean, ever, ever. What? He touched I've, you up? I've sparred David Benavidez. I've, I, I can go on and on on guys that I've sparred that probably don't want me to talk about, and I have footage. I've sparred great guys, and nobody put hands on me like that. And it was more so he was powerful, and he didn't know me, and he was. So then Julian wanted to stop it. Julian, he's like, ah, I said, nah, 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 nah. I said, fuck it, man. I'm, fuck it. I'm here. So in between rounds, no, I'm lying. I'm lying. That's not what happened. I got punched on first. Then I sat on my knees in, at the end of the round, and I'm like pretending to be praying to God with my back to him. So everybody started laughing. I looked, turned around, he like this. Not Offended laughing. by you. Look like he was not offended laughing. by you. Not laughing. Hadolfo's laughing. Leota's laughing. Jocker. Everybody is laughing. Glover's laughing. He is not laughing. Bell ring, he on me again. So Julian, I hear Julian, he's like, uh, all right. So I said, fuck it, man. This dude's gonna try to get me out of here. I'm biting down. I start 
doing being Philly. Harlem shaking, throwing my hands off. Hing, 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 hing. Come on. Hing, hing, hing. We here. Hing, hing, hing. <laughs> Hit him with one. Kind of backed him up a little bit. Respect me a little bit. I'm, fight, I'm fighting for this point. I got the headgear on bleeding. I said, fuck it, let's go. So I kind of, I hit him with one and he kind of reset. Then now he's fainting and he's not just punching on me. So I said, fuck it, Phil, give him one more. So then the last round, everything I had, you know, I morphed. It's morphing time, everything I had. And, <laughs> and it was work and it was good work back and forth. And, and we did well. And he, he said, yo, man, you move really well. And he, he helped me with the low kick I was having issues with. Then fast forward, me and him became friends. Uh, they would always hit me up. Anytime he come down, we get work. Um, I was supposed to make it out there to help him, but I was dealing with an injury, so I didn't. This was for his Izzy the second time. So then he always just taps back in. Um, but when his camp starts, he comes out here early when he can relax, trains, and and then that was it. So I, I planted a seed back then, and we've been cool ever since. And Usually for a week, week and a half, for most of his camps, we'll see him out here moving around, helping us out and picking his brain. Well, that's amazing. Phil, I could talk to you all day long, man. You got amazing stories. And um, man, you you one of a kind. Appreciate and it, And you are a blessing to have in the UFC. Nothing but much love and success. I look forward to watching you grow in your career. But uh, man, I'm gonna let you get up out of here, man. I'm gonna catch up with you soon. I appreciate it, man. I, once again, always good tapping in with you. It's going to be sweet, man. Once I'm up there, it's going to be sweet. Once they reaching out to me, it's going to be sweet. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And we're going to, and, and then these meetings will be a lot cooler when I'm on the desk with y'all. It's going to be lit. And, and, and I'm always going to be able to, to backtrack and remember these moments. And I appreciate you for always believing in me, always giving me a platform. If you around, you always mentioning me. I appreciate the love, brother. I really do. And I, and I also want to say one other, one last thing too. Phil hooked me up with a nice tight fade a couple weeks back. You know what I'm saying? So my man is a barber too, so he, he can do it all. Phil Rowe, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good one, homie. Love, man. And that was my man, Philly Fresh, Phil Rowe. Extremely talented, extremely charismatic, and extremely gifted individual. We are lucky to have him in the MMA world. But how do fighters juggle extracurricular activities while fighting? The answer, passion. See, passion is the fuel needed to have the energy so that you can invest into your activities without distracting you from your other activities. Well, you also have to be good at time management and discipline. But if you have those things, it's not only important to have activities outside of fighting, but it is essential. No one should ever allow their entire existence at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply to be tied solely to being a fighter. The light heavyweight division has had some champions with bad injury luck and big fights with controversial decisions. So I must answer, is the light heavyweight division the unluckiest division of all time? 
Now let's go back to Yuri Prohoshka winning the light heavyweight title against Glover Teixeira by fifth round submission at UFC 275 in June of 2022. Then a rematch was scheduled to take place between Prohoshka and Teixeira in December of 2022 at UFC 282. However, a few weeks before the fight, Prohoshka pulled out due to a shoulder injury that required him to have surgery. Prohoshka decided to vacate the light heavyweight title, and Teixeira turned down a replacement fight against Magomed Ankalaev. So then, the co-main event bout at UFC 282 between former light heavyweight champion Jan Blahovic and Ankalaev was promoted to the main event. This fight would be for the vacant light heavyweight title. The result was a split draw, and the title remained vacant. Now let's fast forward to UFC 283, in January of this year, Jamal Hill faced Glover Teixeira for the vacant belt. Jamal Hill would go on to win the fight in dominant fashion by unanimous decision. That sweet moment for Hill was short-lived because on July 14th of this year, Hill announced that he had ruptured his Achilles tendon while playing a fighter basketball game during UFC International Fight Week and that he would be vacating his light heavyweight title. I was there. I saw it go down. Now we have UFC 295 this weekend as Yuri Prohoshka gets a chance to reclaim his belt against Alex Pereira. He never lost the belt in the first place. It's a great matchup between two very worthy opponents. They have very similar mentalities towards the fight game, but very different, almost completely opposite approaches to their execution. Yuri will attempt to be free-flowing and elusive to create his openings for attack. Alex will be more calculated and measured to be able to see the openings as they present themselves. With that said, I do think Alex is more likely to see those openings first because Yuri has a tendency to neglect his defense by being so offensive minded. But MMA has a way of making us all look like idiots. This fight could easily turn out to be a draw or Alex may just submit Yuri. Or even worse, it might be ruled a no contest due to an eye poke. And that would just be tragic. But this is MMA, and this is where the unlikeliest scenarios are bound to happen. So I must answer, is the light heavyweight division the unluckiest division of all time? Due to recency bias, it seems to be the unluckiest division of all time. But let's not forget in 2003, after Kyle Uno and BJ Penn went to a draw for the lightweight title. They scrapped the whole division for like two years. And that was also the night when I fought Matt Sarah and they announced him the winner and overturned it in the dressing room and gave me the win. But if you really want to talk about being in an unlucky division, try being a female featherweight. Yeah, I'm going with that one as the unluckiest division. To close out this episode, I asked for questions, questions about anything, UFC or not, and I'm going to answer these questions rapid style. This question comes from jmart1063. What's the first thing that pops in your head when I asked what the greatest single moment of your fighting career was? Well, I don't know about the greatest moment, but when you talk about the worst moment, it was BJ's knee. This question comes from at Ken Lavica. How did you pick yourself up after the BJ loss? I didn't pick myself up. I think Big John McCarthy did. I got to go back and watch the tape. This question comes from Stone Labanowitz. If you could have a live band come perform at your next birthday party, who would it be? One song. Bands will make her dance by Juicy J, 2 Chains, and Lil Wayne. 
Oh, I love that song. And this question comes from at Theo Dorsey TV. Would you rather never have to sleep or never have to eat? Well, that depends on who I'm eating and who I'm sleeping with. This one comes from at Lindsay Lowry. How many times were you dropped on your head as a baby? My mother used to dribble my head off the floor like she was Kyrie Irving. I don't know. And this one is from an anonymous user. Who's your favorite white boy from TV or a movie? Dana White, boy. Want your question to be on my next show? Be on the lookout as I'll post on my Instagram at Dean Thomas, where I'll ask you to submit a question before the next episode. On this episode, you got my answers to these three questions. One, what the fuck is up with how the UFC can put on fights on such short notice? Two, how do fighters juggle extracurricular activities while still fighting? And three, is the light heavyweight division the unluckiest division of all time? And as a special bonus, I answered your guys' fan questions, so keep them coming. Thanks for listening to Dean's Got Answers. We will be back in the near future with a new episode. Be sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dean Thomas. Dean is spelled D-I-N and leave a rating and review for the podcast. Tune in next time as I'll have the answer for everything going on in the UFC. Those are my answers. And if you have any questions, make sure to hit me up. Peace out, y'all. I'm going to see y'all on the flip. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.